BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Well, as we know, unlike any former president, Donald Trump's not content with sitting on the sidelines. He's still out there almost every day, repeating the big lie that he won the last election and attacking anybody who dares disagree with him on anything. But of course, Trump's not alone. Even with access to Twitter blocked, Trump is still able to get his message out with the Trump TV network, otherwise known as Fox News. Once the TV arm of the Trump White House, Fox is now the TV arm of the Trump post-presidency, happy to help spread his lies about the election and about the COVID pandemic. Last fall, we interviewed Brian Stelter, host of CNN's Reliable Sources, on his new book about Fox News and Donald Trump called Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth. Well, now the paperback of Hoax is out with lots of new stuff and new reporting about Fox News post-Trump and about a couple of new networks that are even more right-wing than Fox, believe it or not. So Brian Stelter's back with us today with the latest in the crazy right-wing media world. Brian Stelter, welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Good to have you back and congratulations on the paperback edition of Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth with lots of good stuff in it, new stuff. Thank you, it's uh, great to be here, thanks. So Brian, I wanna start with a, uh, a tweet I saw just a couple of days ago. I think it might, might have been echoing something you said with Chris Cuomo, uh, that you don't believe January 6th and the insurrection, the attack on the Capitol would have happened, could have happened without Fox News, right? That is right. And I, I don't just mean that about November and December of last year. I mean that about the 25-year history of Fox News. Fox has warped and changed the country's political dialogue and has heated up the temperature to a fiery rage. And I just don't think we could have had the conditions for an insurrection without Fox News. It Was, was it the perfect storm, meaning it with Fox News, and that history, uh, and veering more and more right-wing, and then Donald Trump lighting the flame? Well, well, indeed. I, certainly Trump, I don't think, would have won the election in 2016 were it not for Fox News. But conversely, I don't think he would have lost in 2020 <laughs> without Fox. Uh, the way that Fox tried to help him actually hurt him by misleading him and filling his mind with, with disinformation. Um, but you know, think about the riot and, and all of the messaging involving the riot. If you look on Fox News in, in December and early January, what were they saying? They were talking about a revolutionary war. They were talking about taking the country back. They were talking about uh, uh, essentially stealing an election, although they were claiming they were trying to protect the integrity of the election. So 
all of that was on the air in a way that I didn't appreciate until I went back and, and researched it for hoax. Um, to, to read and, and hear what they were saying on the air, encouraging people to believe this was a righteous cause um, all the way up until that Wednesday afternoon. Right. And so as you point out in, in, the, in this new paperback, they had, they had helped Donald Trump sow the seeds of the big lie Right, that this election was going to be rigged, that this election was going to be fraudulent before it happened, right, or didn't happen. But when he lost, then they were able to reap the harvest of having warned about the fraud ahead of time. Yeah, that, that's right. In October, Trump was using the word hoax to warn about the election, to warn about mail-in ballots. Fox was amplifying those messages, so much so that when Biden was named president-elect, some Fox viewers didn't believe it, didn't want to believe it, refused to believe it, fled to Newsmax instead. Newsmax was deeper in the voter fraud depths. But Fox had to wade in right alongside them because that's what the audience wanted. This was a supply and demand issue. And uh, I think looking back, um, maybe that was inevitable that, that if Trump lost, we were going to end up in this, this awful place where people denied reality, denied uh, the election result came up with a different story to tell themselves about what happened. One of the big events and maybe awkward moments, let's say for Fox News, uh, you talk a lot about, was the Fox News being the first one to call Arizona for Joe Biden. I mean, the <laughs> shit really hit the fan at Fox, didn't it? Yeah, at 11.20 p.m. Eastern when Fox called Arizona for Biden. This was... Um, this was accurate. Fox was right. The projection was right. They were first to do so. The other networks waited a lot longer because they wanted to see a lot more data. But Fox was working with its own data sets and was very confident in calling the state for Biden. And this, um, you know, this was like an, uh, um, a volcanic eruption for, for Trump and for the Trump White House and for a lot of Trump's fans. They didn't want to believe it. They refused to believe it. And so what you had on the air was this argument, this debate, um, this denial of reality, people on the air disputing the Fox decision desk. And I think that contributes to this sense of not knowing what is true or what is real or who actually won or what actually happened. When, when you're in the news business, you don't want to be booking people who are constantly undermining the facts. By all means, you can debate the policy and debate ideas and what the right way forward is. But the Fox decision desk laid out a fact and then Fox proceeded for days to doubt and, 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 and scrutinize and, and question that very fact. And that really is at the heart of the problem. Um, whether it was Arizona, could have been a different state, but that mm -hmm. denial or that disputing of reality is something that's bad for everyone. How long before they used the phrase president-elect? <laughs> so <laughs> it's interesting because election day became election week. And we were all, of course, glued to the television watching these vote returns come in. And a couple of memos went out at a couple of different divisions of Fox saying, hey, uh, we're not going to call him president-elect when he reaches 270 because there are still these legal battles underway. Um, now, Fox denied there had been a corporate mandate to that effect. They said these are just a couple, couple different divisions, a couple random memos. Mm -hmm. But I took it to mean, and people leaked these, to, uh, I took it to mean... They're afraid of telling their viewers the truth because everybody knew eventually what, you know, 
Friday, Saturday, at some point, Biden was going to be named president-elect. The paths had closed. There was no path for Trump. And sure enough, Saturday morning, November 7th, all the networks called Biden president-elect. And there was this crazy 15-minute period where Fox didn't do it yet. <laughs> now, it's not because there was some rebellion behind the scenes. It's just because they they slacked off. They, they weren't ready. That It was a production failure to be in, to you know, to have the anchors <laughs> at the desk ready to go when the news breaks. But... Uh, I think it's also emblematic of Fox not wanting to accept the news. Uh, and so, yes, they did finally say president-elect that Saturday the 7th. But you know what happened? The ratings fell almost instantly. There was a segment of the audience that fled to Newsmax because Newsmax would not offend them with the truth of Biden's loss. And, uh, and, and unfortunately, that's the media world we're in now where there were some viewers so radicalized, so, so, so in Trump's thrall, that they couldn't stand to hear the news about Biden. Well, you touched on it a little bit, and I, I was curious about that. Maybe I, and maybe you can tell us a little more. Who makes these decisions at Fox? I mean, who would make the decision uh, that we're not going to call him president-elect or we're going to continue to embrace a big lie? Are the hosts free to make that decision for their own show? Is it Murdoch? Is it management or what what you know you've been reporting on this a lot yeah, what, what's your take what murdoch folks say what people in murdoch's inner circle say is that rupert gives his host a lot of autonomy and does not want to dictate to them what to do and as a television host myself and you know mm -hmm. uh, that's a that's a nice thing to hear a lot of the time of course of course television hosts should have autonomy and, uh, and not be told what to say however when your network is also a propaganda operation and it is deceiving the audience with a bunch of BS, then some leadership is a good thing. Having somebody to drag the network back to reality would be a good thing. And Murdoch doesn't do that, did not do that. Um, so that is why every show was kind of on its own. Fox is a bunch of fiefdoms without a lack of strong leadership at the top. So that's why you had different hosts come up with different approaches to the big lie. Some would just hint at it, shadowy conspiracy illusions, but not go all in. Other shows did go all in. Uh, Maria Bartiromo, Lou Dobbs, Janine mm -hmm. Pirro. That's why they were all named in one of those lawsuits by one of those voting machine companies, alleging defamation. Now, we'll see what happens to those lawsuits. We'll see if Fox wins or loses. But these hosts, they all positioned themselves a little differently. You know, whatever they wanted to do, whatever they wanted to say, you have to say the overarching narrative, the, if you think of this as a body of water, what direction is it moving? It was moving toward this unreality where maybe Trump is a winner still, and maybe there was widespread fraud. Maybe, maybe we should doubt the result. And I think only the Murdochs could have changed the direction. Only the Murdochs could have fixed that. And they clearly did not. And how is Fox faring today in, we, I, we really can't not, cannot call it a post-Trump world, but uh, <laughs> whatever we're in, uh, the Trump-Bedminster world. Uh, how is Fox, is it still uh, number one? Fox is back to where uh, they believe they belong, uh, in first place in the ratings. Now, a couple caveats here. Ratings are down across the board for television news, and that's what you would expect after uh, yep. four stressful years of Trump and a <laughs> pandemic and a contested election and all the rest. So ratings are down across the board, but Fox still has the biggest share of the pie. 
uh, and that is the way it was two years ago, and, and that is the way it's been for many, many years. Because, look, I think Fox is a 24-7 ad for Fox. What I, what I mean by that is they're constantly telling you not to trust any other channel or any other thing. They're constantly telling you uh, that you should only watch Fox. And so as a result, you have a lot of viewers who just stick with that channel all day long. Some of them did leave or turn off the channel or watch Netflix last winter. <laughs> there were, there were right. some people that just wanted to watch Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies or, or watch HGTV when, when Biden won. But they have come back, and Fox is still the beating heart of the GOP. And Donald Trump at one point was actually telling people, don't watch Fox, watch OAN or Newsmax. Right. Uh, did that have any impact? Can you tell? You know, I would say that um, on the on the edges, on the fringes, Trump's promotion of Newsmax and OAN did help, but not in a way that's very measurable. Because mm -hmm. when Trump has gone on those channels, well, let me just say one thing. OAN does not get ratings from Nielsen, so we don't have a good sense of the national audience for OAN. We do know that it's grown on cable according to some other data sets. But Newsmax is rated by Nielsen, so we do know how well Newsmax does. On a good day, Newsmax might be, you know, one-fifth, one-sixth, one-seventh as big as Fox. On a bad day, they're even smaller. But they are there, and they have made inroads. And uh, there are times where Trump will go on Newsmax, and, you know, he might get 200,000 viewers, 300,000 viewers. But that's nothing compared to Fox, which will get 2 or 3 million viewers when Trump is on. So it's, it's clear that Newsmax is a, a source of pressure, a source of tension, but is not... Um, is not eating uh, is not eating Fox's entire meal, so to speak. Right. Uh, you mentioned a couple of the uh, Fox News hosts. Um, I remember when Bill O'Reilly was king of the hill; nobody came close. Uh, after that, I believe it was Sean Hannity. Is Tucker Carlson the king of the hill today? Absolutely, and that's part of the reason why I had to rewrite hoax. When I was sending this hardcover book to the printing press, uh, Hannity was still mostly number one. Tucker was emerging as a rival, but it was still the Hannity network. And, uh, and, and literally, in the, in the nine months since, Tucker has clearly become number one. In the ratings, he is now ahead, sometimes an entire, you know, uh, I was going to say head and shoulders ahead of Hannity uh, in the ratings. Uh, on a typical night for Fox News, uh, another, uh, more than a million people turn on the TV right at, at 8 just to see Tucker, in addition to the audience that was already watching at 7 p.m. So Tucker has broken out as the force to be reckoned with. He is clearly the heir to Bill O'Reilly, clearly the biggest star, and can clearly do whatever he wants, even when he's pushing anti-vaccination propaganda, even when he's stoking fear about a multicultural America. Lachlan Murdoch recently called him brave, and I think that says it all. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you that, whether there was any editorial control or anybody there to pull the reins in and say, uh, nah, Tucker, that might have been over the line. It doesn't seem like there is. There are certainly staffers at Fox, including at high levels, who know Tucker goes too far, who uh, know that he... Uh, says um, he behaves recklessly. But whether anyone is confronting Tucker about that, I think the answer is almost never. Uh, the answer is no, they are not. Um, he, you know, he lives in his own world, his own bubble, mm -hmm. and he perceives every criticism of him as an attack, every comment against him as, it seems, some sort of conspiracy. I mean, when I watch his show, what I hear him presenting is this, 
all-powerful sinister conspiracy theory where everybody is out to get you. Everybody is out to get the the common Tucker viewer. Um, it's not true, but I guess it feels good to the viewers. Right, and that is the world that he lives in and promotes. You know, uh, Brian, I remember in the early days, particularly uh, well, maybe all the way through the Trump uh, White House, uh, as a reporter covering the White House, we always knew what Donald Trump was going to talk about that day uh, if we watched Fox and Friends in the morning. You know, yes, <laughs> we used yes. to joke that the uh, the producer of Fox and Friends <laughs> was running the country. Right, uh, the, the the show obviously must not have the same impact today that it did then. Not um, not in the White House, but I think the show does have the same impact in Republican politics mm -hmm. and uh, with the people who want to be in the White House in the future. Um, when you were making those jokes, Fox and Friends producers were also making those jokes with <laughs> each other. They talked about the crazy influence the show had. They sometimes felt they had too much power. You know, when you're a Fox and Friends writer and you write a banner on the bottom of the screen yeah. and suddenly the president's tweeting it out, that is not always a comfortable, exciting, thrilling feeling. Sometimes that's a scary, freaky, uncomfortable feeling. Like, I don't want to have this much power over the president of the United States. So I still watch the first 15 minutes of Fox and Friends almost every morning because I do want to hear the agenda setting function for the mm. GOP. Mm -hmm. they, they are not influencing the Biden White House. And we know Biden tends to watch Morning Joe or New Day if he watches cable news at all. But, you know, that show is influencing Ron DeSantis. It is influencing, uh, influencing Christine Nome and these other GOP hopefuls who want to gain more power. And I, I think the narratives that start on Fox and Friends do spread all across the GOP media and political world. So it matters, but to, to a different audience now. Uh, probably influences uh, matters to Kevin McCarthy as well. Um, right. I mean, I remember one day, I forget the exact uh, issue, uh, but it was a, a matter where Donald Trump had already taken a position in support of a piece of legislation. And Judge Napolitano on Fox and Friends in the morning uh, said he thought Donald Trump was wrong. And Donald Trump <laughs> called Kevin McCarthy and said, I changed my mind. I now oppose the bill. <laughs> right. Talk exactly. about talk yeah. about power. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, hey, that here, kind of power, uh, it's it's there's, there's no equivalent to it. There's no equivalent to it on the left. Nothing that no, I know of anyway. Believe me, there is not. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I guess I'm glad there's not as well. Brian Stelter is our guest. You know him as the host of CNN's Reliable Sources, of course. His uh, great book, Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth, is now out in paperback. Uh, we've been talking about the big lie about the election. That's not the only big lie that uh, Fox News has helped spread. Uh, let's get into that with Brian after we take a quick break here on the Bill Press Pod. And today's podcast is brought to you by the members of the Smart Union. You know, they were the sheet metal workers, the air, the rail, and transportation workers. They all got together and formed one union, the Smart Union, under the leadership of President Joseph Sellers. And they are the backbone of the construction industry in this country. We salute the members of the Smart Union and invite you to check out their website to find out more about their good work at smart-union.org. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? 
Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back with today's guest, Brian Stelter from CNN. And again, the book, get it in paperback if you didn't get the hardback, uh, hardcover. It's called Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth. Uh, Brian, in addition to the big lie about the election, Fox News was more than uh, willing to help Donald Trump spread the big lie about the COVID pandemic as well. Yes, and I had a commentary at the network say, you know, we denied the pandemic, now we're denying the election outcome and and suggesting there was a link between those two. Uh, I think it is worth scrutinizing why there are links between those two. You know, this attempt to create your own reality, to dismiss inconvenient truths. It's, it's certainly something that's been on the march and, and especially apparent um, on, on the right and the right-wing media. But the pandemic denialism is something that I think is still haunting us to this day. We can see it in the polling about the vaccine, with Republicans more likely than Democrats to say that they're not going to get the vaccine, that they don't trust it. I think the roots of that distrust are in Trump and Fox's handling of the pandemic last year. Mm-hmm. Their downplaying of the pandemic last year. Uh, it got to the point where last summer, last fall, people at Fox said to me anonymously, our viewers are over this. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear about the pandemic. We're moving on, uh, which is nice, except that, you know, the winter surge was coming. And you report uh, in the paperback that Murdoch himself was not happy with Donald Trump downplaying the virus, but... Um, what could he do about it? Or did he do, do try to do anything about it? Right. I find this to be, I guess hypocritical is the right word. You know, Rupert had wanted Trump to be more of a wartime president to show more leadership on this matter. But then Rupert's network was doing the opposite. Mm-hmm. Rupert's network wasn't guiding Trump to be a wartime leader. He was downplaying the threat. So this goes back to that lack of leadership and that lack of having a steady hand on the tiller. Again, I'm not saying that you should have a boss in there telling every host what to do and putting words in their mouth. But you do want to know what direction to row in. You want to know whether to admit the sky is blue or keep claiming it's red. And unfortunately, 
there's not that leadership of Fox to say, you know, we're going to come at this from a conservative point of view, but we're still going to be honest and responsible and reality-based. That's what's missing at Fox right now is that sense of uh, we have a duty to be reality-based, and then we can argue for our point of view, but we're going to do it from an honest, reality-based place. Uh, does this have any impact or make any difference to uh, commercial sponsors on Fox? They're certainly not hurting for revenue. They are not hurting for revenue. They make a tremendous amount via subscription fees. Uh, that's really the heart of the business. And then advertising revenue is also a substantial contributor. Uh, and there are plenty of sponsors who are willing to, to be on Fox. And the message uh, to advertisers this spring was, if you want to reach middle America, if you want to reach our big audiences, you got to include Fox in your spending patterns. Uh, Fox was promoting its its more newscast-style shows, its lighter shows, basically saying to advertisers, you don't have to be on Tucker, but you should be on Fox & Friends, or you should be on Outnumbered. Of course, those shows also lean far to the right, and they're falling over. They're leaning even further over and falling <laughs> over. Right. Uh, cancel culture and critical race theory happens every hour. Uh, but that was the message to advertisers. There are some that avoid Fox on purpose and, and view the network as toxic. But there are enough who are willing to pay up. And, you know, when Tucker loses advertisers, uh, my pillow is willing to prop <laughs> them up and add right. more spots. So there uh, certainly Mike Lindell, although he's been quite critical of Fox lately, is still willing to spend lots and lots and lots of money with Fox. Yep. He's even spending money on uh, Rudy Giuliani's podcast, right? We learned not, right. So long, not so long ago. Well, looking at the bigger picture, when you when these li big lies, particularly the lie, the lie about COVID and particularly the lie about um, the election process being fraudulent and you can't trust the election officials, do you see that that's not only uh, not telling people the truth, but that it's uh, dangerous, I mean, to to our democracy? I had some staffers of Fox say that, uh, some who are willing to recognize their role in this mess, uh, but many others who are not and who are uh, convinced they're in an us versus them life and death struggle. You know, and you know this bill better than I, the, the people who convince themselves that, you know, they are, they are fighting for the soul of the country, for the future of the country. And, and um, well, let me put it this way. It's the Michael Anton Flight 93 election theory that, you know, you must stop at nothing mm -hmm. uh, to, to win. Uh, I, I think increasingly that's the Fox view. That's the Fox worldview, this very dark, pessimistic, um, uh, true believer worldview that uh, it, it also involves producers and hosts of the channel. What is the responsibility of CNN, for example, or MSNBC? I'm thinking particularly uh, Jake Tapper has been a little controversy lately about the fact that he said he will not book anybody uh, who says that the 2020 election was a, was a fraud and that Donald Trump is the real president. Uh, is that the way to go? Or is there any responsibility to put people like Sidney Powell or Mike Lindell on the air? Well, I'm glad that Jake has has helped to lead that conversation because others like Chris Wallace at Fox disagree with them. Yes. And, and this should be a debate and it should happen in public and it should be discussed. Uh, and it would be a shame to have these sedition caucus members on television not being questioned, not being held accountable for what happened. Um, but obviously different journalists are going to come down in different places on that issue. And uh, I think what, we, what, we, what I now see in the media world 
is an environment where Sidney Powell is not on mainstream television, where Rudy Giuliani is not on mainstream television, Mike Lindell is not. They're only on fringe far-right TV. Now, fringe far-right TV might include some shows on Fox, but Sidney Powell isn't even on any of those shows. Like, she, she's so far off Fox at this point. Like, Lindell's not on Fox anymore. I, I guess I'm maybe I'm trying to say Fox does have some line they won't cross. <laughs> but, but, you know, guys like Lindell do find a, a way to the sea. They find a path. They find an audience. They find a way, whether they're live streaming, whether they're going on buying airtime on One American News. It's a supply problem and a demand problem. And what I think is in some ways even more pernicious than Mike Lindell straight up swearing the election was stolen, claiming he has proof, is the more conspiratorial, um, shadowy claims that infest Fox. The claims about Democrats being less, being other, being not, not as American, about Kamala Harris and, and others um, – there's a demonization and even a dehumanization that goes on on Fox's opinion shows that I think is is kind of it's not the new big lie. I don't want to claim it's like it's a title like that. It's it's deeper. It's like in some ways it's worse because it's this daily drip 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 that makes it impossible to see to see each other as as good faith people or good faith actors. Do you know what I'm getting at? Does that make any sense? I do. I do. And I, I'm, you said earlier, you know, that there's a responsibility. You can have differences of opinion, like we used to do on Crossfire all the time, right? Yeah. But your facts have to be accurate, right? They have to be a, a factual basis behind your argument. And that's where I think Jake has drawn the line, right? Right. Saying uh, you, we can't just give a platform to these people who are saying things that are have no basis in reality whatsoever. And, and when democratic principles are at stake, when, you know, it, it's one thing to debate what to do about the tax code. But when we're talking about right. whether we're going to have a functioning democracy, journalists should be on the side of a functioning democracy. And in fact, journalists help to make it function and should help it function more effectively. So that's a stance that we should and, and do take. Of course, that's viewed as liberal over on Fox. And thus, it's fuel for the right-wing content machine. And so it spins on and on in a way that is just fundamentally unhealthy. But I think if you're only watching Fox through the Twitter clips, you know, through the, the viral moments of, of moments that go wrong on Fox, I think you miss the kind of hour-by-hour hour narrative, that feeling of watching Fox that washes over you as a viewer, which is... Um, which is that uh, the Democrats are, are are demons that are you know the, that you know yeah. I hate to say it that way but that that's that's how uh, it comes across I, you know the way they the way they try to destroy yeah. VP Harris for example oh, right and as you said earlier and uh, Tucker's message that uh, we're under attack right they're coming after us but in in terms of journalists doing their job uh, on this bastion of democracy uh, Brian what was your reaction to learn that the Justice Department was after Barbara Starr's emails, New York Times reporters' uh, emails and phone records, uh, members of Congress, and now we know even the former White House counsel himself. Wow. Yeah. Right? This, this is so far beyond the pale, and I'm glad it's being recognized that way, and it's getting news coverage, and it's getting attention, uh, especially the gag orders against the New York Times and CNN. Yes. I'll tell you, Bill, the day that we learned about the gag order against the New York Times— 
I, I called around at CNN. I called some of the executives. I said, w- w- this isn't, we're not, we're not under a gag order, are we? Like, <laughs> is there one that I don't know about? Like, is there someone at yeah. CNN under a gag order? And, and the answer is we didn't know because it turned out our head lawyer was still under a gag order. David Vigilante, general counsel was still under a gag order. And that finally was able to be revealed last Wednesday. And so now that truth is out there. The notion of a gag order against the media, it's, it's like oxymoronic. It's like those words don't fit in the same sentence. So uh, now the test is on the Biden administration to see if they'll codify some new rules uh, to make sure this doesn't happen again. Uh, do you believe Bill Barr when he said he didn't know anything about this? I I want to punt because I don't know enough about the DOJ and Bill Barr, but here's what I think. I think this is an iceberg, and we only see the, the top half, you know, the iceberg metaphor where where there's more yeah. underneath the surface, underneath the water. I, I, have a, I have figured now ever since the end of the Trump administration that it's going to take years to know the full extent of what went wrong the full extent of the misconduct. And lately, I think these stories are suggesting that that's true, that that, that we're seeing some of the iceberg, but there's still so much more there. Yeah, at the present time, Jeff Sessions, Bill Barr, Rod Rosenstein, all of them deny they knew anything about it, right? Well, somebody at Justice, right, knew something about it because the orders were given, the subpoenas were sent, and uh, so far as we know, the direction came from the White House from Donald Trump to, uh, against people he perceived as his political enemies, uh, so Nixonian. Um, and I guess, Brian, all we can hope is it remind, that they get yeah, to the bottom of it. Me of the first time he ever said enemies of the people. And I, I'll admit I lost it a little bit on a White House aide who I thought I could trust, who I thought would, would do the job responsibly. How can you let him do this? I said, how can you let him say that? It's Stalin-esque. It's so hateful. Now, this is back in February 2017. Like, we didn't know what we were in for, right? Right. How can you let him do this? And the response, you know, because I imagine, I imagine a government function with bureaucrats and aides and leaders, you know, and officials who keep the president on a steady course and take care of him and make sure that he has the best advice and the best information and the best talking points and make sure he doesn't so hate of the American media. So, so this, this aide said back to me, he's the president. He's, I'm not the president. You're not the president. He's the president. And that kind of, that kind of just like eye roll, that kind of shrug. There must've been so many of those shrugs to get us to a place where reporters were being spied on and all of these abuses of power were happening. Well, he's the president, right? We're, we're doing what he wants. There's a lot of embarrassment to go around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you've been very kind with your time. I just want to, uh, just one final point. I was doing a little research today and I came across Newton Minow, former head of the FCC, yeah, uh, who said many things about television. And the one that struck me I saw again today was uh, when television is good, there's nothing better. When television is bad, there's nothing worse. <laughs> what, what, what's your overall impression of how the media is doing today, just in general, or maybe covering the Biden administration? or just? I love that quote because I feel that when I'm sitting in a dark, empty control room, <laughs> marveling at this technology, thinking, yeah. we can do so much with this, with these tools. Mm-hmm. All of us can now, actually, with the technology that you and I are using to broadcast right now. Right. All of us with our iPhones and our computers – we all have these incredible tools at our disposal. 
So are we using them the best we can? Like, are we using them for good? Or are we just um, lights and wires in a box, as, as Minow also said? Uh, I think the answer to your question about the media is all of the above. There's, there's so much great, there's more great reporting than ever. And it's all click away. There's also more trash. There's also more uh, pollution out there than ever. And the future of media, I fear, the near-term future is more of that all of the above feeling. Mm-hmm. And then what, what becomes important is knowing how to separate the trash from the treasure and helping not just people like you and me who are news junkies, but helping the rest of folks know how to separate the trash from the treasure and seek out real sources of information. Well, you certainly uh, use your presence uh, in the very best uh, of ways for, t- for, uh, for television and for the American people, Brian. And, uh, and nobody's written more about it and better about it than you have. Uh, your new book, Hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the Dangerous Distortion of Truth, now out in paperback. Keep up the good fight, Brian. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. And that's it for today's podcast with Brian Stelter. Again, the paperback is out hoax, Donald Trump, Fox News, and the dangerous distortion of truth. And there'll be a link to purchase the paperback in the episode notes of today's podcast. We'll be back on Thursday this week with the Reporters Roundtable. Uh, We'll see you then. And in the meantime, take care of yourself. Stay strong. Stay safe. Stay happy. Come back and see us on Thursday for the next edition of the Bill Press Pod.